Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, Lord, now as we open your word, give us your grace to understand the, the words that we read and hear. And may we go apart from this place filled with your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you love the Bible? I know that I do. I know my brother Glenn loves his Bible. I can, I can tell that from the way that he has been grieving over the last two weeks uh, since his, isn't that right, since your nook has been, has been missing, it, it's as if he's missing an old friend. Oh, Amen. <laughs> Amen. But why do we love the Bible so much? Why should we love the Bible so much? We as Christians, we know that we ought to love the Bible. We know that it is good for a lot of things. And I hear, as I go around and talk to different people, I hear different things that the Bible is good for. The Bible is kind of like a flag. This is what I hear. It shows that we are Christians. And when people come in our houses and they see a Bible sitting on our shelves, they can know that we are Christians. That's a good thing. Perhaps the Bible to you is like a book of mantras. We can open it up at random. We can read a saying and say it over and over again enough. And it it kind of has this uplifting power because it's the Bible. Perhaps we can use it as a charm to drive away the devil. I've heard people say that their house was was, uh, invaded by evil spirits. And if they kept the Bible, if they put the Bible in a certain place, it would keep the evil spirits out of that place. Okay. Some people... See it as a book of great spiritual sayings, a book of prayers, a book of meditations. There are many good spiritual sayings in the Bible, by the way. Many good prayers, many good meditations. Some people even see the Bible as a hammer. If we see something in somebody else that we don't like, wham! Wham! But I want to submit to you that all these things that I just listed are not the primary purpose. Of the Bible, in some of things, in some ways, none of these really are the purpose, are the reason why we should love the Bible so much. The Bible is not a hammer. The Bible is not a charm. The Bible is not just a book of mantras or of spiritual sayings. The Bible is not just a flag or a symbol to show that we are Christians. Because a Bible that is sitting closed on your shelf will do you about as much good as, well, just about any other book or just a stone, for that matter. Because until you take it down. Until you open its pages and actually read and understand what the Bible says, it will do you absolutely no good at all. We read in our scripture scripture reading today, and let's let's turn back to that if you've turned away from it like I did just now. (laughs) Second Timothy chapter two, and I'll read just verse fifteen. Be diligent, Paul says to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth? I have heard people from time to time quote verses or passages or even just a part of a verse from the Bible in ways that almost makes me cringe. I'll give you a couple of examples. Money is the root of all evil. 
You've heard that before. The Bible says so. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, money is the root of all evil. We better give it up. If it's the root of all evil. Well, that's not quite what it says. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 that the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that money in and of itself is the root of all evil. But so easily we misquote it. Here, I'll give you another one. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. And it is true that Christ said that, and I think his meaning is clear. Don't cast a hypocritical judgment upon others. Don't cast judgment upon others because, as he said in, in the same passage, if you cast judgment on someone else, perhaps the greater judgment is upon you for being a hypocrite. But yet, the way I hear it quoted so often today, if I start feeling uncomfortable, if someone comes to me and says, you know, Brother Daniel, there's this thing in your... Judge not. Judge not. You're being... And so in my saying, judge not, I cast my judgment upon you as a judger instead of accepting the word of truth. You see? So often we take the Bible, we take a passage or a phrase or even a few words from the Bible and we throw it out in a way that is completely out of context. Paul admonishes Timothy to be diligent, to rightly divide the word of truth. And in that previous verse, do not strive about words. He says, (coughs) also, do not rest, do not twist the scriptures to your own destruction. But I want us to look at three aspects of our study of the Bible that are found here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. The first is be diligent, it says. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent to seek God's approval. Be consistent. Be wholehearted. Paul wrote to Timothy in just a, a few verses over in chapter 3 and verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned, and be assured of knowing them, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Be diligent. Let me ask you, do you think that exercise is good and important for health? How many you think exercise is good? Now let me ask you this. What do you think is the best exercise program? You know, there's all kinds of different ways that you can get exercise. You can go out and walk, you can ride a bike, you can get a little like a trampoline, you can do rebounding exercises, you can do weightlifting, you can go to the gym, you can work out at home. You can get different different programs, whether it's yoga or Zumba or CrossFit. You know, a couple years ago, a friend of mine and I, were, we were talking and they were showing me some of the different things that they had, they had started doing, working out workout routines and stuff. <laughs> and uh, he introduced me to this, to this program. And I... I believe in it so much, I actually bought it. It's, it. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Insanity. 
you and it, it is literally insanity. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And uh, so you you open up the box and there's these posters in here and and uh, all these fit people that are doing. Oh, I've got it upside down. <laughs> doing literally insane workout routines, jumping and bouncing and and, and jumping jacks and running in place and and so I got the I got the program. But how much good did it do me once I got it in the mail when I put it on my shelf? And I put it on my shelf. And it sat on my shelf for a little while. And finally, a buddy of mine at work and I were talking about it. And he wanted to get kind of in better shape. And I wanted to get in some better shape. So we got it out. And we said, after work, as soon as the, as soon as the bell rings, as soon as we get off work, we're going to go in the lounge. We're going to change clothes and go in the lounge and put in one of the DVDs. And we're going to do a workout routine. <laughs> and we started doing that. And you know, when we actually put the DVD in, and when we actually, not just once, but every single day, five days a week, we go in there and we'd spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes jumping and bouncing and whatever else. And you know, we started to see a difference. Now, it turned out we ended up, he's kind of competitive and I'm kind of competitive and we ended up hurting ourselves. (laughs) Um, So we had to quit that program, but... I want, I want to ask you, what is the best exercise program? The best exercise program is the one that you do. I don't care which one it is. It's the one that you do, not just once, but the one you do consistently. Every day, day in, day out, rain or shine. Because if you do that consistently, you are going to see results. You're going to lose weight. You're going to gain muscle. You're going to feel better. You said, well, I'm not here to talk about exercise. But you get my point. If we're talking about reading the Bible, what is the best way to get to know the Bible? Is it to put it on our shelves? Is it to talk about it at church? Or is it every day to get it down, open up its pages, and read from the Word of God? Rain or shine, whether we feel like it or whether we feel like going to bed, or whether we feel like doing anything else, which is to get the Bible down, open it up, and read it. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can read the Bible. There's not, I can't think of any particularly bad way of reading the Bible. If you're reading the Bible, it's a good thing. <coughs> a lot of people read the Bible through in a year. There's different plans, there's different ways of doing that. But uh, if you ask me afterwards, I'll be happy to give you any one of several different ways of reading the Bible through. You can get a little plan. It's printed on a sheet of paper. Read a few chapters from this book and read a few chapters. And it does by the days of the week. And you can read the whole Bible through in a year. Many people have done it. Many people have done it many, many times. And it's a good way of getting familiar with the whole Bible. What does the Bible say? So there's different. You can study it through. Book by book. You can just pick a book of the Bible and study it and read it. You can go deep. Take a chapter of the Bible and just read it verse by verse. Make your own paraphrase. Journal. Or you can do a topical study. What does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about family? What does the Bible say about keeping the Sabbath? Pick any topic and go from Genesis to Revelation Use a concordance. Use a, use a, um, a search engine if you've got the, the Bible on your computer. Look up all the verses 
to talk about this particular topic. Paul said to Timothy, Be diligent and seek the approval of God. Steady to show yourself approved unto God. <coughs> A workman that does not need to be ashamed. Work hard. You see, if you're going to be fit, it not only takes diligence, but it takes commitment. The same way it goes in the spiritual sense in understanding the Bible. Isaiah says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. I want to talk just for a minute about, about reading the Bible. What exactly is in the Bible? I know this may be a review for some of you, but pardon me for just a minute. I'm, gonna, I'm not actually going to turn on the projector, but I'm going to pull this down so we can do a little illustration. If, I, if we love the Bible so much, how many of us actually know what is in it? Now, this is not actually a Bible text, but it'll, you will find it in your Bible, in the very first page of your Bible, the page before Genesis. You know there's a page before Genesis in your Bible, right? The table of contents. How is the Bible structured? Thanks, Mike. So if you look, the very first books of the Bible, these are books of history, but, in the, but we call them the books of Moses because they're the five books five of the six books in the Bible that were written by Moses. It talks about our origins, the beginning. Where did all life come from? Where did we come from? And the story of the patriarchs of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then we get into the next books. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. These are all books of the history of the Old Testament. So if you're reading through the Bible, if you just start at Genesis, and it's not a bad way to study the Bible after all, is to just start at Genesis and read through. By the time you get to the book of Esther, you will have read all of the history of the Old Testament from the very beginning of creation all the way up until after the return from, the, from exile of the children of Israel. Then you will get to another section of the Bible. You always, have you ever wondered how come when you're reading the Bible, you, you start through and you get, and then it goes back and it's like it goes back and repeats. Well, there's a different section of the Bible. Once you get to the end of Esther, you get to the books of poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. These are books of poetry, of songs, that are there in the Bible. See, I've printed those on different color there. Then, after the books of poetry, come the major prophets. The five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah wrote two books, Jeremiah and Lamentations, and then Ezekiel and Daniel. And the book of Lamentations actually, in a way, could go into the books of poetry. But it's organized here, if you go chronologically, or I should say, in order, through the books of the Bible, through Daniel. Then you have a bunch of books that we study, we tend to study less frequently, which we call the minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, 
Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Now, if I didn't just put this chart up here, how quickly could any of you find the book of Haggai in your Bible? I have to say, I'd have to look back and forth quite a few times, probably myself. But it's there. And there's, there's some amazing, amazing uh, messages there. Go home if you want some, to read something that you thought was never in the Bible. Go home and read the book of Hosea. You will be amazed. <laughs> then we get into the New Testament. Now, I think all of us know the Bible is divided into really two sections. And, and really, I think I've got enough room to do this. I can kind of move this over so you can see the break here between the two sections of the Bible. So if we break the Bible into two sections, you've got the Old Testament here. This is the time of the history of Israel, the time of the, of the patriarchs, the prophets, the kings, the judges, the time, Israel going into exile. These are all the people leading up to Jesus. Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. And the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the New Testament, tell the story of Jesus the history of his life, the three and a half years of ministry that he spent on this earth, like no other books do. The Old Testament looks forward to it. The last part of the New Testament looks back. This is the central figure, the central part of the Bible. The book of Acts stands, in a way, on its own, unique in the New Testament as the history of the early Christian church. In a way, it's the continuation of the Gospels, after Christ, especially the Gospel of Luke, it was also written by Luke, after Christ went back to heaven, ascended to heaven, his followers spread from a small handful, 12 disciples, to covering the entire face of the known world. Then we have the, the letters of Paul. Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus and Philemon. These are, and also the book of Hebrews, which I put on the next sheet. <laughs> These are written by Paul, the apostle, to different churches and different individuals, different groups of people or individuals, giving counsel and guidance. We find these today to be invaluable in our understanding of Christianity, looking not just at the literal history of Christ's earthly life, but at what does that mean to us as Christians today? Then, like I said, the, the book of Hebrews is sort of a different genre. Some people classify it separately from the other uh, epistles, but it is, I believe, one of the Pauline epistles. But then we have we have uh, James, First and Second Peter. These, of course, are not written by Paul. This is James was written by James. First and second, I, I see I, I listed second Peter twice. I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> I, was, I was, did this last night and I was sleeping. So, <laughs> uh, First, second, and third John and Jude, all written by different followers of Christ, giving us really a different perspective from all of this, the majority of the, of the epistles written by Paul. And then finally, last but not least, the book of Revelation. And those of you who have been here with us know that we have been, over the last several months, studying chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation. <laughs> there you have the Bible 
from Genesis to Revelation. But maybe this helps. If you're not as familiar with the Bible, maybe this helps to break it down. And if you, if you pick a book, say you pick the book of Colossians now and just start reading Colossians. Well, if you pull it out of thin air, how would, how would you put that in context? But this kind of helps to put the different books into context. So as you start to study through the Bible, you can see how the different books relate to the central figure, Jesus Christ, at the center of God's word. Isaiah said, For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. (coughs) Paul said in the book of Hebrews, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. (coughs) You see, if you're going to do a workout routine, you need to be consistent. You need to be diligent. If you're going to run a race, do you just half-heartedly go into the, go in and yeah, I'm going to walk along and then I'm, you know, maybe I'll stop and get a hamburger along the way, and then I'll... No. If you're going to run a race, you're going to run for the purpose of winning. And if you're going to win that race, you put aside everything else, as Paul said. Lay aside every weight and let us run that race. If we believe that the Bible, God's Word, is such a vital, has such a vital message and such a vital importance for us today, how come, and I say this to myself included, how come... We are so lackadaisical in our study of God's word. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for a prize, that is, everyone who runs in a race in this world, is temperate in all things, and they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we are running. We run in this race for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should have become disqualified. This is the testimony of the Apostle Paul in the Christian experience. If Paul, the Apostle Paul, had to put everything, every last ounce of his energy into the Christian race, with what energy then should we put, should we approach God's word to really unpack it, to really understand it? Jesus says, said to the Pharisees, to the unbelieving scribes and rulers, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You see, that even though the scribes and Pharisees had spent their entire life studying these books of the Old Testament, because they were so wrapped up in their own preconceived ideas, they couldn't see that every book of this Old Testament pointed right here to Jesus Christ. How can we study the Bible in such a way that we don't miss the message that God has for us in it? I want us to, I know we have just a couple minutes left, but just kind of 
to look at a few principles of Bible study. And this is not the last message that I'm going to have on this topic. In fact, I'm thinking of, of doing perhaps a, a little series on methods of Bible study. How can we unpack the Bible? How can we better understand? I feel like this is so important. This is important for me. And this is important for everyone of our church family to understand how can I understand God's word? How can I glean from there the message that God has for me? (laughs) First and foremost, never study the Bible without prayer. Before every time, before we open the pages of God's word, let's bow our heads, earnestly, sincerely ask the Lord, help me to understand this word. How many of you believe that the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit? That the words, amen, every one of you raised your hands. That same Holy Spirit is here today waiting to help you and me to understand the words that he wrote, that he inspired, right? I don't believe that, I don't believe that God wrote this with his hand, that, that God inspired men to write the word of God, but that same Holy Spirit can help us to understand those words. Never study the Bible without prayer. Secondly, focus. Tune out the distractions. Turn off the TV. Go into a quiet room, anywhere to where you can concentrate your attention on the Word of God. Another thing that I have found very helpful in my experience is to start a journal. Get out a a notepad. If you'd rather type, put it on your computer, but don't get distracted on the internet. Put it on your computer and type. But as you read, as you study... Write down the things that God is showing you. Because how good are our minds these days? I don't know about yours, but mine, if I put something in there three minutes later, I've forgotten what I was thinking about. But if I write it down, I can go back and just have a note like I have here. I've I've got notes here to jog my memory so I remember what I thought I was going to say to you guys. Write it down. And the next day, go back and review what you studied. How is the best way to study the Bible? Remember, I just told you, it's the method that you do. But let's talk about a few methods. There's one, one method, perhaps one of my favorite methods, is to go book by book. Pick a book of the Bible. I don't care where you start. One good place to start is in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. Another good place to start is in Genesis. Oh, let me, let me digress, digress here. I'll come back to the book by book method. If you, do, if you do nothing else in your study of the Bible, if you do nothing else but read a chapter from one of the Gospels, a chapter from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just one in order, read one chapter a day, and then go back over here. Read a chapter from the Psalms. These are the prayers of the Bible. Prayers, praises. David and the other psalmists crying out to God. Read a chapter from the Psalms and read a chapter from the Proverbs. It only takes you about one minute, two minutes, maybe, to read one chapter from the Psalms. Some are a little longer, but most of them are very short. only takes two or three minutes to read a chapter from Proverbs. It should, you should spend a little longer than three minutes, but if you read it straight through, you could read it in three or five minutes. If you did nothing but read a chapter from the Gospels, read a chapter from Psalms, and read a chapter from Proverbs every day, it will change your life. And I want to encourage you, if you do nothing else, start with that. Okay? 
But then branching out from there, take a book of the Bible, read it through, the whole book, not just one chapter, but just the whole book. If you can read it through in one sitting, I, I bet that's, for some books, that's pretty big, but read it through to where you can wrap your mind around what is this whole book about, and then go back and read it chapter by chapter. Dig it a little deeper. Dig it a little deeper, okay? That's another method, and it works very well for some people. That's a method that I like to do. I remember I was on, on, a, on the plane flying. I believe I may, it may have been when I was flying overseas. I took the book of Hebrews. I said, I've got quite a few hours. Even if I sleep, I've still got a lot of hours. And I read the entire book of Hebrews from start to finish. And I said, wow, I don't ever remember seeing so much in the book of Hebrews. I've studied it through chapter by chapter, but when you read it all in one sitting, you get a picture of what the writer was trying to say that you miss if you read it and then set it down and then pick it up later. Okay, Book by book. Another method, chapter by chapter. Take a chapter, read it through, then go back and reread the same chapter several times. Ask, what does God want me to understand? Why did God want this chapter to be in the Bible? Okay, Ask yourself, why was this chapter put in the Bible? Summarize it. Maybe write it down in your journal again. And then look for the application. Then you can go more in-depth, verse by verse. Take just a single verse. Dig all the way down. Look up the words in the dictionary. Look the words up in a concordance. Look at all the cross-references. Dig everything you can out of a single verse before you move to the next verse. This is another method of Bible study. Okay. Another method, and I mentioned this before, is topical. Choose a topic. Maybe the topic is is um, marriage and family. Maybe that topic is... is um, how to keep God's law. Why we should keep God's law. Maybe that topic is God's grace. Oh, that's a huge topic. I mean, you could spend years studying God's grace. But look up every verse in the Bible. Christina did a topical study this morning. Who am I in Christ? What is my identity in Christ? That's a beautiful, beautiful example of a topical Bible study. Another method and I think all of us should do some of this, Bible memorization. Take a chapter in the Bible. Perhaps the Sermon on the Mount is a good one. Psalm 23, if you've not memorized that, memorize the 23rd Psalm. Memorize Psalm chapter 91. Go through it. And I like the King James Version for memorizing. It's, it's the poetic, the, the flow of the, of the words is so poetic. But whatever version you choose, Memorize it so that you can say word for word without even looking. You can close your eyes and you can say that whole verse or that whole chapter by memory without a mistake. We're going we're gonna to we're gonna delve into each one of these methods in a later message. And last but not least, praying through the scriptures. As I mentioned, the, the book of Psalms is a book of prayers. Read the scriptures in such a way, and some are more conducive to this than others, Right? That where that scripture becomes your own prayer to God, the cry of your own heart. I want to share just briefly a story. My name is Ramona, and this is the short version of how God literally changed and saved my life.
My mother loved God and tried her best to guide us in the right direction. My father, on the other hand, was an abusive alcoholic. I ended up marrying multiple times to very abusive men who used alcohol and drugs. When I was finally able to escape, instead of choosing the path my mother had tried to show me, I chose a path of destruction. I harbored anger, hate, and unforgiveness and masked it with drugs and alcohol. I built up so many walls to protect myself, I was trapped inside and I didn't know how to break free. One night, about 30 years ago, while I was out drinking with several friends at the Pagoda Hotel in Hawaii, I saw a Bible in one of the drawers. For whatever reason, I took it home. I didn't actually read it for a couple of years. When the time was right and my heart was desperate, the only Bible in the house was a Bible that was placed by a Gideon in that hotel. After reading a while, it was like the words on the pages came to life and opened my eyes. God cleansed me of the anger and resentfulness. He set me free from the things that bound me. In John 20, verse 23, Jesus told his disciples, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In my pain and unforgiveness to my father and those who had abused me, I had retained those sins and had become that which I hated, an alcoholic and an abuser. Reading the Bible, I cried out to God. I forgave those who had hurt me, and God gave me a new life. He loved me in spite of every horrible thing about me, and he changed me from the inside out. I am thankful for my mother, who was consistent in her love for God, who was a light in a very dark place. During my father's last few years, I became his caregiver, God restored our relationship and allowed me to love and care for him. One month before his passing, I led him to Christ. God turned around what the enemy intended for evil into something wonderful. That was a tipping point in my life. I have grown to have a deep compassion and love for the senior population, which has led me to a job I love as director of activities for a senior residence. Recently, the local Gideons provided Bibles to our senior residents. Now I am able to share the power of God's Word with the men and women here. And it all began from a Bible stolen from a hotel. Friends, this is just one example of the power of God's Word to change hearts and lives. Will you let His Word change your life today? O Lord and Father in Heaven, Thank you for the precious gift that you have given to us in your word, the Bible. Help us, Lord, as we study it to understand it. Help us, Lord, to make that commitment, each one of us here, to spend time each day in your word, that our spiritual muscles may grow strong, that we may feast on the word that you have given to us, which are spirit and life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.